Welcome to Tales from the Rift, a podcast exploring our conversations around drugs. Each guest will tell the epic tale of when their experience with drugs shifted. So sit back, relax, and open your mind to Tales from the Rift. All right, welcome back to Tales from the Rift. I am your host, Issa Kixon, and I am sitting here in my bedroom with Chad Anderson, Winnipeg comedian, and just all around great guy. Chad, it's so great to have you here. It's, oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Like, I feel, I feel like a weird separation anxiety from comedy since this whole pandemic thing has happened. And I know that's, you know how I know you. Um, sorry, I have to. Body's <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Um, but comedy, comedy is how, how I know you. And, um, you know, you're, you've kind of been the one who inspired me to come back into it after I was like, you know, fuck it, I'm done. I'm done mm-hmm. with this shit. Um, so why don't you why don't you get us give us a little rundown of you know who's Chad? Okay, yeah. Um, well, yeah. I'll be, my name's Chad Anderson, and um, I am a stand-up comedian. Um, what else? I'm a new father, which is pretty exciting. And if I at any point during this podcast start to not make sense, it's lack of sleep. Um, <laughs> today, I literally looked at the expiry date on a on a tub of yogurt and I went, Rebecca, how can this yogurt be good for a whole year? And she went, what are you talking about? I was like, the expiry date says it's good for a year. And she was like, well, what's the expiry date? I was like, April 7th, 2021. And she started laughing so hard. And I was like, what? That's a year away. She's like, no, Chad, it's 2021 right now. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm, uh, I also called being sleep deprived, being sleep deprived, deprived is what I said and yeah it's so we're (laughs) yeah it's a it's quite the experience just our daughter will not fall asleep unless someone is holding her so we have to take shifts sleeping right now but yeah so new dad uh beautiful baby daughter named Penny Uh, I'm a plumber um yeah that, I think that's, I mean, I'm from the, I'm, I'm Cree also. I think that's important to say. It's funny. I used to always just say I'm indigenous. And then in yeah. the last couple of years, now I'm like, no, I'm Cree. I, yeah. think it's, I think it's more important to say what what you are than just saying I'm an indigenous person. And I was born and raised in Nepal, Manitoba. That's, that's a whole lot of a whole lot of stuff so like new parenthood like I remember you know 14 years ago when I had my kid and the sleep deprivation gets so intense like I remember hallucinating like I remember you know my kid we had a this like little cradle beside her bed because it just made it easier and mm-hmm. I remember like he was crying and I went to go pick him up and you know bring him to me to feed him and he was still crying. And I was like, I'm feeding you. What's going on? And then I looked down and I, I was holding a Kleenex box to my chest. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's oh. a real thing. That's a real ass thing. And I don't miss it at all. Like I miss when they were babies and they were cute and you took care of them. But I don't miss that aspect because mm-hmm. sleep deprivation, like, 
Like you have to handle heavy machinery, don't you? Uh, not really. I mean, yeah, like a jackhammer and like power tools, but uh, it's, I don't know, it's not too bad. I, I, it's funny, I, uh, I jokingly said to one of my, to my boss, actually, he was like, how are you gonna, like, how are you holding up? And I was like, well, I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic slash addict. So a lifetime <laughs> of staying up for four days straight has prepared me for this moment. Yeah, right? Yeah. Parenting is hard and you, you go through so much just you know trying to keep this little human alive but when you think about all the shit that you'd put yourself through before you had said children Mm -hmm. you're just like yeah I'm ready yeah I can I can do this so why don't we get right into it this is a podcast about drugs and you know our relationship with them so how old were you when you first tried drug and what was it I was in grade seven, so I would have been 12, 11, 12, I think, Um, and it was pot, and I went right by my middle school, there was a, everyone would go hang out in the bushes around the schools, that's uh, the perks of living in a small town, is you can just go get high in the bush, and no one, well, I mean, I'm sure all the parents know where the kids are, but yeah, yeah. yeah, my buddy Devin took me, and we made a a pop out of a Pepsi can or a pipe out of a Pepsi can and we smoked we smoked weed out of it and I don't think I don't think I actually got high that first time I think I pretended that I was high because I wanted to be cool but I don't think I actually got high I don't think I actually ever like felt stoned from weed until probably the summer between grade eight and grade nine oh yeah so like you had been like, did you continue to smoke weed? And was it that you were, you know, like not really inhaling? Like, I'm not sure. Like I didn't smoke it a ton from grade seven to the summer of between eight and nine, but I did a few times. And yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't inhaling all the way or I don't know, but yeah. And I have heard people say like, so a lot of people don't get high their first time smoking weed. So yeah, maybe yeah. it just took took a few times for me to actually feel the effects. And then uh, grade eight, towards the end of the school year and in the summer, I smoked a lot of weed and I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) When you started smoking weed, did you like, did you have any type of knowledge about weed? Like, did you know about like strains or was it just, this is green stuff that makes me feel good? Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. I just, uh, I knew it was bad, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I didn't really know. It didn't know anything about the strains or anything like that. And I don't think I ever really paid attention to like strains at all until I started smoking weed again two years ago. And oh, the only reason okay. I started paying attention to strains now is because A, my tolerance is super low um, from taking an eight year break and yeah. also um my anxiety I have anxiety so I don't want to smoke something that's gonna like get me racing around yeah that's uh yeah having knowledge of like you know what works for you and what doesn't is very vital to being you know like if if you're a stoner that's you know very important information and I think also growing up in a small town you don't yeah you get the weed that the two drug dealers in town have and that's 
that's it. There's no picking what strain you want. So did you like, did you just kind of like stick with weed or did you, did you venture out uh, with any other drug? I mean, I started drinking in grade nine. I, th- I mean, I, I've tried alcohol before then, but I never got drunk. Yeah. And then yeah, grade nine, I got drunk for the first time and loved that as well. I just loved, like, it felt like everyone liked me. Um, which is probably why I became an alcoholic. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Self-loathing, yes. Yeah. And then I think grade 10, I tried mushrooms for the first time. Yeah, I think out of all the drugs I've done in my life, mushrooms is the one. I love mushrooms the most. It's just such a... Every time I do mushrooms, I feel so good after. Right. Refreshed. Like even, even when I've had bad trips after it's over, I'm like, you know what? I still feel like that was a valuable experience. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why it just yeah like because you're I, smart gosh and I like Rebecca my partner took before we had the baby her and the dog went to the lake and I stayed home and I was like the last time they went to the, or she went to the lake I had done mushrooms but the dog was here and then the dog was like running around and going crazy. And I was like, oh my God, this is too much. Like, I'm just trying to be, I'm super high right now. And I'm like, I can't see the dog's face. Like, I can't make out what his face looks like. Cause he's, he's just, at the time he was like, I think a year, maybe like not even a year old. And so he's full of energy and his face, he's just moving around. So his face just looks like a massive blob of black fur and I can't handle it. So I like go and lock myself in the bedroom. And then he's like scratching at the door and crying. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So then I come back inside or I come back into the living room. And then I was like, oh my God, he's still going crazy. So I go outside for a cigarette and then I come back in and I'm like texting, I was in this group chat and the guy who actually sold me this shrooms was like, I was like, oh my God, my dog is going crazy and I'm so high right now. I don't know if I can handle it. And then he was like, oh buddy, I can come over and help you out if you need. And I don't know, just that sentiment made me go, oh, you know what? I'm actually fine now. And then I was just like, <laughs> noticed that dog was calm and I just went for a walk and I had the best time for two hours. I just walked around my neighborhood by myself like making dumb videos and sending them to my friends. <laughs> and so the second time Rebecca took the dog and I was like, okay, sweet. I have, I can do this and I don't have to worry with the dog this time. Yeah. And I had the, one of the worst trips I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, like, like, did you stay home for it? I think part of the problem was I was trying to emulate what happened the last time. So I was trying to rush to get to that point of like, I'm having a great time. But instead, I just put myself in a panic and I couldn't snap out of it. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I was like, you know, what? maybe if I just go for a walk, things will get better. And so I go for a walk and this group of teenagers comes walk. I live right by a 7-Eleven and they come walking and I see them and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Teenagers. And I like ran away because I thought they were up to no good. And I went back inside. And then I waited like 10 minutes. I didn't even know how long it was. It could have been like five seconds. And (laughs) I'm walking back and I'm crossing the street and the group of teenagers is now coming back from from 7-Eleven and they all walk by me except for these two kids are in the back. And I hear one of the kids go, look at this motherfucker. And I went, oh no. And I just (laughs) ran away. (laughs) And then I came inside and... 
like you know at the very start of mushrooms when everything is super intense and coming in in intense waves it was that but for four hours that didn't go away yeah so I just stood in my shower for two hours I stood in my shower asking if myself it was if it was okay that I was in here and then being like wait no it's my bathroom I can be in here and then I would try to get out and I would turn the water off and then I would get cold so I turned the water back on yeah and it was just I spent a good hour like trying to comprehend what the bathroom even was that's how like I was like so wait I just come in the morning I just come in here and get ready so wait I just come in the morning, I just come in here and get ready. What? And like, I said that out loud a bunch of times. I'm pretty sure my neighbors heard me. Because the next morning, one of our neighbors, like, saw me and kind of chuckled. And I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So this was before before you guys had the kid. Yeah. Yeah, no, like I've heard so many people talk about how mushrooms is like kind of like a good way to reset balance in your life. Like it's a good mm-hmm. sort of like there's a whole bunch of things going on and you're just kind of like, you know, I I feel lost and people, you know, do mushrooms and then be like, okay, that 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 was it. That Yeah. Do you feel like now that you have your your kid, like do you feel comfortable smoking weed or or doing mushrooms not while they're around but like yeah there are like there's trips that I go on every year that are kind of like uh annual golf trips that I go on Mm -hmm. and and so I think like yeah outings like that like when I don't have the responsibility and I'm away from Winnipeg so I won't have the like there's no way that I would have to come home I mean there obviously there'd always be a way that I would have to come home if there was a a huge emergency but like yeah I'm a I'm a couple hours away um and there's no chance of me interacting with my kid then I'm probably gonna I don't know (laughs) I I know I'll I'll smoke weed for sure I don't know about mushrooms yet I just worry with mushrooms that I'll do them and then I'll start thinking about my daughter too much and then have a bad time um, but who yeah. knows, I might do them and then just be like, oh my God, it's the greatest thing I've ever done is have a kid, um, which is how I feel already. So, yeah, but yeah, I, I didn't smoke. I stopped smoking weed for the month before our due date, just because it was like, well, we're at a point now where you technically could go into labor at any point And I don't want to be all high and have to drive you to the hospital and then deal with that. Uh, and then I haven't, yeah, so I haven't smoked weed for about two and a half months, two months. How are you feeling? Like, how are you feeling without weed in I feel your pretty, system? pretty good. I know that I will do it again, but yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I need it. I think at first it was, it was weird. It wasn't that I needed it, but it was just like the things that I'm like, oh, well, I'm playing video games. I usually get high for that, but now I yeah. can't. And yeah, um, but then I always think like, well, you did this for eight years. You did, you were a hundred percent sober for eight years. So you can handle yeah. a couple months. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, did you find that throughout your life was, were you able to just rely on, on weed and, you know, mushrooms or did you span out and adventure with other things? Um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely spun out. I have, at my bottom or right before I reached that that bottom and, and went to rehab, I was at a point where 
if you put a drug in front of me, I would do it. Um, mm. So I've had, I've been in some pretty scary situations where the next day or, you know, sometimes I'm binging for three days and then I go to sleep and then wake up and go, wow, what was I doing? You know, like been barricaded in a guy, a crack addict's apartment with him, like shooting up Coke and Oxycontin. So, um, yeah, it was not, uh, it was not a good scene for me. Alcohol was always like the thing for me. And then, and then I started doing Coke because I was like, Oh, if I do Coke, then I can drink longer. And then eventually it got to a point where it was like, Oh no, I'm just going to do Coke and I'm going to drink. So I feel better about doing Coke. But (laughs) just like this, like really weird enmeshment of I can do this and then I can do that. And then I can do that. And then I can do this. And you just kind of like fall into this cycle of justifying, you know, these things that, you know, aren't the greatest for you. Like, especially in like that, you know, type of quantity, the shit that you justify, like when you're addicted, that wasn't justified, dude. Like, no, yeah, <laughs> like you didn't yeah. actually need that. And no. it actually made like so many things worse for you. Cause I, I know a lot of people who can do a line and then, you know, go to work and they're completely functioning members of society but I know that if I did a line of coke like today like right now that um I would spiral out of control and probably go missing for a couple of days it's a steep hill for some of us who who have like especially if you know you're dealing with like trauma and, you know, like we're, you're, you're Cree, I'm Anishinaabe, but, you know, we both have those like similar experiences of growing up with identity politics. As kids, we didn't put that on ourselves. So, you know, having all this extra bullshit on top of, you know, family systems breaking down, residential schools, all of that how did we survive? Like, how are we still alive? (laughs) What inspired you to come out of that? Like, what was the impetus? Um, I've been dating this woman for two years and she knew I had a drug problem and I put her, I put her through hell. I put her through hell. I constantly went missing on her and like there was like a point where I, I lived with her and her mom and her stepdad for a year and I would just like disappear for weekends and a week at a time and then come back and act like nothing was wrong and then manipulate it and be like oh well I just like I went and stayed at a friend's house because I feel bad about being here all the time you know and like try to yeah. like bullshit my way out of admitting that I have a problem yeah um, and I had worked for this company and one of my really good friends Uh, that I met through working for that company we weren't good together like we were great friends but you got us together and we we would just party too hard Uh, and then I lost that job and then I got that job back and I we started working together again me and this guy Ian and uh, he when I got my job back he was like oh I don't have a place I broke up with my girlfriend he was living in a camper in uh in the shop like in the compound where our shop was 
and he was like do you want to get a place together and i was like yeah like i've been living with my girlfriend and her family for a year this makes this the most sense and so i asked my girlfriend and i was like do you would it be cool if i lived with ian and she was like no absolutely not you guys are terrible together like why would i be okay with you living with a guy who you do drugs with all the time and i was like no but it'll be different and she said no and she was like if you live with ian i'm gonna break up with you but i don't know why i still put my name on an application and then we got the house and i told her and she broke up with me and then i went on like a three-day binge and like went to work every day like without yeah. going to sleep and then yeah it was like a very short like month or two where i just like spiraled and spiraled and spiraled out of control and then finally i think i i had done coke I, I don't know. I just like, I got to the point where I would do Coke by myself and then look out the window every two minutes. Cause I thought someone was coming to get me. Yeah. Um, and then I would look out the window and be like, what are you doing? No one's coming to get you. Like, no one knows you're here. Like you're fine. And then I'd sit down and then two minutes later, I'm looking out the window. Um, and then I almost OD'd. Like I got to a point where I'd like, my heart was racing so hard and I like could barely breathe. And another woman who was I started seeing while I was she was a friend of this other woman that Ian was seeing and we kind of started sleeping together and we had like we had a bit of a relationship and she was super kind and so so nice and she like sat with me and like rubbed my chest and like like made sure I didn't die basically and then the next day I was just like I'd missed two days of work and I was like no I got it I have to get help I need to get my girlfriend back um and so I called AFM yeah I'll never forget I jumped on my skateboard I skateboarded to a payphone <laughs> oh <laughs> to a payphone I called AFM and I made an appointment for an assessment actually this also is this is true and whatever I'm I go back and forth between being a person who believes in like, oh, things happen for a reason. And then also being like, but everything's random, but also they happen for a reason. But I opened the morning where I was like, I need to do something. I need to get help. I opened a dresser drawer that was a junk drawer. And there was a card for a counselor at AFM on the top from when I was on probation a few years ago. And so I was like, well, if this is not a sign, I don't know. So I took that card, I skated to a payphone. I called AFM, they made an appointment, it took two months for me to get an assessment. I knew I had to get out of where I was living because it was me and my buddy Ian and one of his buddies. And I just like, I knew like if I stayed there, odds are I'm just gonna continue to do coke all the time and not go to rehab. So I just like left and I was homeless for two months. <laughs> um, wow. And uh, I mean, yeah, I just couch surfed. Like I'd just sleep wherever people would let me or stay up all night if I didn't have a place to go. And then, yeah, so my girlfriend who had broke up with me, she had told her parents what had been going on. And her mom was like, we don't ever want this guy around again. He's not welcome here. And then uh, I went to I went to my uh, assessment and I t just like told them, like I pleaded with them because they're like, we don't know if we can get you in anytime soon and I was like I need this like I'm gonna die I have nowhere to go I'm, I'm I have nothing and they're like okay we can get you in in two weeks and I was like oh thank you so much wow. and so I met with her 
and we're sitting on a park bench and she was just, she had told her mom that I was going to get help. And uh, at first her mom was like, okay, well you can take him to the house and let him have a shower and feed him. But we want him gone before we're home from work. And I was like, that's like, that's so nice. And then <laughs> eventually, like after a couple of days of the, them being like, like letting me shower in their house and like have a bite to eat she was like okay tell him if he comes and apologizes to us that he can sleep in the basement for the two weeks before he goes to treatment and so yeah I walked to their house one evening and then I walked around their block eight times working up the courage to go inside and then we all cried and I apologized and yeah they gave me a warm place to stay while I waited to go to treatment and uh they made me call my family and tell them. And I'll never forget when I told my mom like that I had a problem and she just went, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She just was like, we know everyone knows. And I was like, Oh, okay. And they were so happy. They were like, yeah, go, go get help. Like it was, I, it, it worked out that I would have been in, rehab over Christmas and it was my nephew's first Christmas and she was that my whole family was just like look we would rather you miss his first Christmas than all of his Christmases yeah so go get help and then they actually my mom and dad drove to the city on Christmas Eve took me for dinner and bought me an Xbox 360 and then uh drove back to have Christmas with the rest of the family wow yeah fuck your parents are awesome yeah that's so amazing that's a fucking adventure right there chad like was that the experience that kind of like shaped your your relationship with with drugs or i i don't know i mean i feel like it changed that definitely changed who i am as a person and it made me like realize if i want to just be a functioning member of society I can't ignore my past traumas and ignore current problems and I need to deal with everything that's going on in my life before I get high and that was like yeah so I was I was completely sober for eight years and then I had talked with my partner now and I'm just like I want to try something weed again I don't have any desire to drink a because I think that would like potentially get me to a point where I would get drunk and be like, well, I could do other stuff now, Yeah, you know? Um, And that was like my main problem. Um, And yeah, I was like, I'm having trouble sleeping and I have a bit of anxiety and I don't want to do pills or like, you know, I'm not knocking people who take medication for depression or anxiety or anything, but I just, Mm -hmm. I also had a problem with abusing prescription pills. So I, I don't know. Um, and so she was like, yeah, uh, as long as you're dealing with your problems and anything that's bothering you before you, and you're not using smoking weed as a crutch, then I have a f- no problem with that. And if it seems like it's becoming a problem, then I'll tell you and we'll deal with it. I think it's worked so yeah. far. Like, I mean, I feel pretty confident that it's not a problem solely based on the fact that I was able to stop smoking weed for my kid, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not knocking 12 step programs, but it just yeah. like, it got to a point where I was like, this is not who I am. Like I, I'm grateful for 
all the help that I got in 12 step recovery programs and I got my life back because of them. But it just got to a point for me personally, where I was like, I can't handle all the doom and gloom all the time. And I, mm-hmm. and then I was just like, yeah, it took me a while before I realized like, and I read up a little bit about like harm reduction instead of abstinence. And yeah, it just made sense where I was like, yeah, I mean, weed seems pretty safe to experiment with because mm-hmm. um, like yeah my tolerance is super low so I can't smoke a bunch all the time I feel good what do you find is the best weed for you like do you have a um a strain and like a, a type of brand that you go for yeah um it's actually oddly enough it used to be called Penelope um uh, which is, well, I mean, my daughter's name is Penny. We were going to name her Penelope, but then we're like, no, let's just go with Penny. Uh, but there's this, yeah, this strain was called Penelope and it was like a perfect mixture of CBD and THC content. Um, and that was, it seemed perfect for me. Anything yeah. that's like too high THC content, I it's, it's too much. Um, so that or um, old biker, biker weed, like old biker weed that uh is grown in your backyard that i love that because <laughs> it's like that i can smoke a whole joint of and i'm not high or like i'm just a little bit high yeah 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 it's funny because like i smoked weed most of my life you know except for um definitely took a break with the kids um but i'm finding that as i get older my tolerance uh goes down more and more and then you know when I talked to a doctor about it I was like like I'm not gonna stop but you know can you help me understand why this is happening and you know like after blood tests and whatnot he was like you you can't like metabolize it properly so you never Hmm. build a tolerance (laughs) you have zero tolerance so every time is like the first time for crazy yeah, but it's, it's also very affordable, too, yeah. because, you know, like, uh, I also have anxiety, and uh, I, you know, I found my strain, my, you know, my brand, I know what I like, my partner makes them into edibles for me, because my stupid asthmatic lungs can't handle uh, smoking it, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> so now it's just, you know, like, now it's, it's like a perfect balance for you know just for living my life um and yeah I just I think it's really cool how you went from like you know just so so rough and then you know now you're this dad who is like yeah I I cannot smoke it for two for two months you know maybe Mm -hmm. longer I think that's so cool you know, that you've been able to do that. That's hard. That's hard shit to overcome. I think part of it is fear, right? I think it's, it's like, I have a good healthy fear of like, of like knowing where I was at that lowest point of my life. And just like being like, well, I don't ever want to end up there again. And like, that was when I was 23. And it felt like I lost a lot, but I really didn't lose anything that like, nobody, nobody, disowned me nobody Mm -hmm. like I didn't I'm sure I lost jobs but like 
whatever. I didn't like, you know, I didn't have millions or thousands of dollars. Like I didn't lose anything then. And I remember like how bad that felt. And now I'm like, well, now we, we live, we own a condo and we have a dog and a baby and like, yeah. you know, a vehicle and, and like, I don't want to lose any of that, you know? Exactly. So yeah. yeah, I think it's a, it's a good, healthy fear of being like, okay, well then only smoke a little bit of weed from time to time and also and mushrooms once in a while um, yeah and i i'm a firm believer that like you can't really overdo it on mushrooms it's one of those drugs where it's like you do it one day and then the next day you have to do doubly amount to feel anything usually after the one night of doing mushrooms you, your brain is like no let's not do that again tonight like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like let's process this for a little bit okay yeah give me a just give me a break i'm trying to you know figure out what's real and what's not so yeah just settle down <laughs> um chad do you have anything coming up i have uh the woke comedy hour show coming up um yes. um with headliner iman uh al husseini um is that how i pronounce your name did i pronounce your name properly um, I think it's Iman Al Hassani. Al Hassani. Okay, I've I've met I've met uh, Iman so many times too, and uh, super nice. And yeah, yes. I, I I I like I hate pronouncing people's names wrong. Like especially when you're like, I know mm -hmm. that white people probably pronounce your name wrong all the time, and I don't want to be I don't want to be that. <laughs> I, I can't remember. Yeah uh oh do you, you know who rajat is <clears throat> yeah and i the first time i had him on a show i asked him like oh how do you pronounce your name he's like just say rajat b and i was like dude i was like i'll say your last name if you want he's like no and he's like but i really appreciate that you understand how much it means for someone like me to have someone pronounce the name properly he's like but just say rajat b because it's just easy and I'm like, okay cool thanks man. like yeah i don't want to <laughs> I don't yeah. want to butcher anyone saying, yeah. It is it is one of the great fears in life. Um, yeah. So you have what coming up and uh, yeah, hopefully these restrictions, well, not so much the restrictions, but just hopefully our province gets its shit together and, mm -hmm. you know, we can get back to doing what we do on, mm -hmm. the, on those stages um but i just wanted to say thank you so much for being on my podcast and you know my mad respect like i've always had respect for you but now i'm like <laughs> i'm sending you mad props man like that was thank you that's that was good that was so good so yeah thanks for thanks for being here awesome thank you so much for having me thank you for tuning in Tales from the Rift is recorded on Treaty 1 territory, home of the Anishinaabe, Cree and Dene, and homeland of the Métis Nation. Music provided by local musician Hassan Ashraf. Until next time, stay safe and chill.